Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of the Living Real Podcast. This is a place for discovering what it truly means to live out real faith in real life for Christ in the real world. My name is Melanie Shaw, your host, as well as founder and editor-in-chief of Living Real Magazine. This season, we will be providing a two-part podcast every month. Part one will be opening God's Word together to grow as we deepen and strengthen the roots of our faith, to discover more about God and His character, and to pray for infusing what we learn into our everyday lives. Part two will be a conversation with a guest to encourage us along our faith walks to become more like Christ. I'm so excited about this season and I hope you are. So are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome to part one of the Living Real Podcast today, where we open the Word of God together, simmer on a passage of Scripture, and then seek to apply what we learn. Grab your Bible and let's open the Word to Psalm 139, 13 through 16. As you're searching for the passage, we'll be looking at how these verses frame our very existence. From conception to birth, we were uniquely designed by our Creator, formed and fashioned by Him, to live a life for the sole purpose of bringing Him honor and glory. So let's read these verses together. I'm actually reading from the New King James Version today. Verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. Today's passage is what I like to refer to as our scriptural ultrasound. In view of these verses, we see how intricately we're made by God. We're making, where our making is described with words like fearfully, wonderfully, and skillfully made. The psalmist reiterates, marvelous are your works. In this brief passage, our ultrasound is very clear. There is no one else like you. Never has there been, nor will there ever be another you. Others may come along with similarities, but there will never be another you or me. Your fingerprint is proof. It identifies you as you. Your DNA belongs to you and no one else. If anything proves that God exists, it's our existence, and He is more amazing than any of us can ever begin to imagine. Only the infinite mind of God could hold the universe in place, create everything we see around us, and form every human being with unique features. My husband and I love a bumper sticker we saw one day that said, everyone is unique, just like everybody else. This is a powerful statement. Yes, a play on words, I know. But it's true. I'm unique. You're unique. We cannot be cloned. I use this passage from Psalms every time I share my story. As a baby, I was adopted, and through my adoption story, I celebrate life from a unique per- perspective because adoption was inserted into my story by my Creator. Conception, pregnancy, birth, adoption, and forever family. You see, adoption was actually God's idea. But I also have been adopted into God's family. I guess you could say I'm twice adopted. Did you know that our Heavenly Father has adopted more children than anyone can ever imagine? It's true. Anyone who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, 
that he died for our sins, rose again after being buried three days, and repents and turns to him as their Savior and Lord, has already been adopted into the greatest family of all. Turn with me now over to Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. It reads like this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. The birth of the Messiah, his death and resurrection, paved the only way for us to be rebirthed into relationship with our Heavenly Father. We're adopted by the Son to be the children of God. The whole idea is simply remarkable. From one miraculous birth to innumerable miraculous births, You see, no matter the circumstances surrounding how we were conceived on earth, we were created by God to be rebirthed into His family. His desire from before the world began was to dwell with His people in a perfect relationship. But sin entered the world, as He knew it would, and drove a wedge between the Creator and the created. Jesus was his plan all along to redeem our broken relationship, save us from the consequences of sin, eternal separation from the Father, and to reconcile us back into a sinless, holy relationship, full of joy like we've never known, and to live eternally with him. Now, we know everyone will not become an adopted child of God. But we are birthed into this world with the choice to be or not to be. I pray you will choose Christ and join the family of God if you haven't already done so. Because of my choice in choosing Christ, I have an adoption story to tell that outweighs my earthly adoption story. But both point to the one who knows me best and loves me most. And if you've trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, You have an adoption story, too. Let's never be ashamed to tell our stories. The author of our stories wants us to share them so he can draw more people into his family. May I pray with you? Precious Lord Jesus, we come before your throne today to give thanks to you for life. We know that every life conceived is a life God-breathed. Forgive us for the ways in which we've forgotten this truth and have taken our lives for granted. You've given us a story of adoption to tell. Please help us to tell it well and to tell it often. We give you praise today for your word that we can open, read, study, and learn about your character, your redemption story, and your unconditional love for every human being. Lord Jesus, we want to know you more. We want to love you deeper and serve you better than we did yesterday. Help our eyes to remain on you today and recognize those we cross paths with who don't know you as potential adopted brothers and sisters in Christ. May we be willing to share our stories for your glory. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Remember, stay tuned for part two, an interview with John and Lacey Hines, celebrating life and the two little people they have recently adopted into their family. This is going to be good. Welcome to part two of our Living Rule podcast. Today, we're talking with John and Lacey Hines. Living Rule magazine has published several articles about their foster parenting and adoption journey. In the upcoming spring and summer 2021 issue, I've actually written about an opportunity I had to be a part of their very special, of a, a very special day in their lives, and we're calling that the Dottie Mae Hines Day. 
So without further ado, Lacey and John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We are so excited that you're here with us. So we're going to jump right into it. So first, um, why don't you, Lacey, tell our audience a little bit about how you and I met. So I have known Melanie or Miss Shoal, as I used to know her, since I was in middle school. Um, she was somebody that I looked up to then and was one of the first people I told when I accepted Christ as my Savior. Um, we have remained connected throughout the years, and now I get to consider her a friend and a voice of godly counsel in my life. So it's been a very full journey, um, to say the least. Wow. It's just amazing how God brings people together and um and then especially as he reconnects people later in life that happened with um another episode earlier that i had known someone for a long time and i just love how god brings it full circle and and continues our stories together even though we might have gone separate ways for a while that's right yes so um in february is considered the love month and we celebrate valentine's day and all of those sweet things. So, John, so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you and Lacey met? Yeah, uh, well, we have a little over, I guess, 20 years of path crossing. Mm-hmm. Between uh, Lacey was a, sort of a added member to my family uh, as my brother's best friend uh, for quite a long time Um, and my brother lived at home so she was kind of indoctrinated if you will with all my other siblings and my my mother Uh, so uh, our paths crossed a bit then uh, but quite honestly I didn't live at home I moved out when I was 17 or 18 something like that and I never went back but uh, (laughs) I think they wanted me back Um, anyway but we didn't actually start uh, any sort of relationship with each other directly until uh, late 2009, early 2010 era, we served on a church praise team together. And um, we lived um, a half mile from each other. And so we kind of began commuting to practices together and to, to Sunday mornings and, and that sort of thing. And uh, sort of the relationship kind of grew from there, a lot of talking in the car and, and uh, dinners after practices and things like that. And um, I, I guess you'd say that the rest is kind of history. Uh, we had a fairly short uh, engagement and eloped in Rome and uh, <laughs> been together since. Uh, it's been, well, I guess coming up on 10 years. Yeah, in May. I think my favorite part of that that you just kind of went through and didn't pause was we eloped in Rome and the rest <laughs> is history. How many people do yeah. that? That is just so cool. So what yeah, made so you decide to we, elope to Rome? We just... Um, I don't know. Neither one of us really wanted like a big formal wedding thing. Um, you know, Lacey had at one point in her life kind of thought she might want one. And um, I don't know. We were just in a place where we both felt like it wasn't the right thing. And, uh, you know, in the end, you can you can have a pretty great elope slash vacation slash honeymoon for what a, a wedding costs. So, uh, <laughs> You know, we we went and spent some time in Europe, and then came back and spent some time in Charleston before we came back back to uh, to Columbia, where home is. And uh, I I don't think we'd do it different. Ten years in, um, we we have no regrets in that regard. Um, I think the only regret we had is we didn't really get any like kind of formal pictures. But Mm -hmm. quite honestly, the the whole thing was pretty funny. Um, We actually thought, hey, we'll go. We'll, We'll we didn't plan things right, right? So we said, all right, we'll, we'll go on this trip and we'll elope to Rome and we'll get married there. But then what we found out is it's nearly impossible for foreigners to get married in Italy. Um, there's a six-week background check and you have to have six to eight witnesses during that time all appear to the court and you know explain how you're not related in any way and all these kind of things happen. And so it's just a real labor. So in the end, we actually got married. Uh, we were supposed to get married by a video conference with the pastor of our church in Lexington at the time. And uh, apparently in Rome, there is a rainstorm every day at three in the afternoon, which causes internet outages. Oh, uh, my <laughs> we didn't know that. And our marriage was at four o'clock. So um, 
between the hours of three and four o'clock, Lacey was getting ready, and I'm scrambling around the one block square around where our hotel is, trying to find anywhere with internet that works. In the end, we sat down at a table and had to do our wedding by uh, speakerphone. Literally, there was no no video or anything. It's strictly just a speakerphone wedding. So really, kind of a funny set of events, but uh, that that kicked it off, and and we were good and tired at that point. Huh? We had just flown in, so we we landed, dropped our luggage off at the hotel, and then the wedding happened. So uh, so we had a it was a great time. We um, don't don't think we want to do it different. So it was an adventure. And exactly. uh, we'll be promoting the same thing to our children. Eloping <laughs> uh, is the way to go. On the counter, we got two girls, and eloping uh, is the way to go. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think that is great. I love that story. That is just so cool. All right, that is really neat. Um, Well, I chose the topic for this interview to be about adoption, and I can't think of a better way to display a deep um, love for a child who needs a home and a family, um, you know, than by choosing them to become part of your family. So those who know me know that this is my favorite topic to talk about because I was adopted after being in foster care for 57 days. As I've learned more and more about foster parenting and children caught up in the foster care system, 57 days is nothing compared to the number of days most of them spend being shuffled in and out of homes or the number of days they spend in a home of their wannabe adoptive parents before their adoption is finalized by the court. So let's begin with the exciting news that you have to share with our audience that pertains to the two littles who have been in your care for several years now. And um, I know that there's more to this story. So at this point, I'm going to let you kind of fill in some of the gaps um, that kind of come before the adoption, if you'd like to. So who wants to go first? So I will take it from here. Okay. Um, we have been a foster family for almost six years now and in that time we have cared for around 30 children Mm. um and that is those children are between children that we actually had in foster care in our home um some of those we ended up finding out later had other siblings or even uh, one group had some cousins that were involved in their situation and needed care. So we had them on weekends. So in and out of our home over six years, we've had over 30 kids. And all along, um, we were praying that if there were children that needed a forever, a forever family through adoption that we could be that for them and Mm -hmm. then god saw fit to that and we now have two children that have been adopted in the last five months that is so cool because it almost seems like it's forever and then in five months you finalize two that's amazing yes all right well um john then why don't you tell us a little bit about levi the little boy that you've adopted how about lacy does that (laughs) (laughs) okay we'll let lacy do that um so levi is three he will be four in a couple of months and when we got the phone call for him um we were both on the same page as far as, you know, we were open to newborns. I was really hoping for baby girls. I've always wanted to be a girl mom and do all things girly. Um, (laughs) But when we got the call for Levi, I felt like we couldn't say no. Um, I just felt really strongly that we should say yes to him. Mm -hmm. And we went to the hospital and they placed him in my arms and in that one instant I knew that my life would never be the same oh. and I don't know I don't know what else to say or how to describe that um, because at that time the initial phone call we were told that he would probably only be with us for a couple of weeks that there were other family members they thought may step in that um, it really might be very temporary 
Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, um, he was meant to be our forever baby. Um, he became our son. Now, um, three years and almost four years in, he is our wild one and has been from the very beginning. Um, he's the most affectionate little boy and he has the sweetest little dimples and the brightest blue eyes that will steal your heart in a moment. (laughs) And, um, he loves riding horses. He loves all things outdoors. He is a joy. He's funny and doesn't know it. He cracks us up all the time. Um, he is an amazing little boy. So he's working hard to overcome challenges that um, have seemed to follow him since he was a little fella. So Mm -hmm. what we've learned through Levi's case is that things that happen when a baby is in utero can affect them for a long time to come. And um, we have had to learn day by day and work really diligently throughout our time with him so far to help him overcome some challenges um, that are are extremely hard for a family to deal with, with, um, you know, no expectation that there would be some of the things that we would be facing with him. Um, we have embraced it and are moving forward with him and he's learning and growing and overcoming day by day so we're super proud of our boy that's awesome i know that um i get to see pictures of him quite often and i love his horse riding so how does the um, horse riding help with his challenges so levi has sensory challenges and meaning that he has a lot of aversions to different sounds, feels, um, things are very overwhelming to him. Um, We have gone through feeding therapy with him for the last year to overcome different food aversions, and it is amazing what equine therapy can do for a kid that has a sensory processing disorder. So from the time he started riding, um, he started riding horses when he was two, Mm. which is a little unheard of. Um, Generally kiddos are around, you know, the age of four when they start. Um, We wanted to expose him as early as we could because we know that early intervention is key into helping kids overcome different challenges. Hmm. So the equine therapy has literally opened up a whole new world to him. And this is a kid who wouldn't um, pet a puppy or wouldn't touch a carrot or, um, you know, was not good around sudden loud noises or sudden movements unless Mm -hmm. he was the one making the noise or the movement so this exposure has literally changed his life and it is something that is his own and he does and he's he takes pride in that so now a year in he will take a carrot or a treat and stick it right in a horse's mouth with horse slobber all over him and not even (laughs) think twice about it so we've gone from like backing away and shaking our arms and screaming no 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 to fully embracing that and going after it that is awesome and and you guys are just amazing and um I just, I've watched him thrive and I just, I'm I'm so excited for him that he's already overcoming, you know, such challenges to, to grow into the little boy God's designed him to be. I think this is awesome. All right. Who wants then to tell us about Dottie Mae? I guess that's going to be John. Yeah. So to borrow from uh, George W. Bush's vernacular, the strategy here was (laughs) that Lacey would talk about the mama's boy and I would talk about the daddy's girl. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, um, 
Dottie is, uh, I guess, sort of coincidentally for this interview, was a February baby. Uh, she was born on the 12th of February. We got the call uh, from DSS asking if we'd be willing to take her into care. Uh, sitting down to Valentine's dinner on the 14th, we had lamb chops and fettuccine alfredo and a DSS phone call. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so, um, Lacey jumped right on it. Felt like, uh, she felt literally that night like Dottie would be with us forever. Mm-hmm. Um, we, Dottie was born addicted to opiates and was in the uh, NICU for 28 days. Mm-hmm. Um, as she was effectively weaned off, uh, she had experienced all of the things that you see and hear about uh, with drug withdrawals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing is, she wasn't responsible for the getting herself there, and certainly couldn't understand why she had to do this. Um, seeing a baby on a morphine drip for 24 hours a day for days on end to wean them off of drugs and the shaking and the jitters and the screaming is um, it's a unique experience mm. uh, I hats off to the people who do it every day uh, to the, the men and women that work in those sorts of nurseries and, and deal with that all the time Yes, we were fortunate enough and lucky enough that we were able to be a part of that I know this sounds crazy but um we were allowed to go and sit with her every day for those 28 days and uh, hold her and take care of her and do all the things that, you know, normally would a mother would do, mm-hmm. uh, even before we'd signed a contract. So uh, we were certain that this, this is what was supposed to happen. Uh, fast forward, uh, her term in foster care was over two years, right at about two years. Um, and we finally just at the end of 2020 got our final notices that we were going to be able to adopt her uh she is also a blue-eyed uh blonde-haired baby uh which means that she sort of matches me and levi um i would pose that her eyes are probably a brighter blue than levi's uh in contrast to Lacey's statement Mm -hmm. Uh, she is uh she is all girl. Uh, she likes rainbows and unicorns and makeup and none of those, by the way, are mutually exclusive. They could all happen at the same time, uh, <clears throat> which is obviously it's not really not really my thing. Uh, but I watch it from a distance and accept that this is the reality of it. Uh, she is uh, all girl until it's time to not be all girl. Uh, she is the boss there's no there's no boss in this house that is a higher level boss than her when she wants to be she has a unique way of throwing tantrums she has a unique way of getting what she wants uh she is has special ninja strengths in those areas and (laughs) also she is she is bigger and stronger than her older brother and she knows it uh and she (laughs) that to her advantage when it's necessary Uh, the uh funny thing Lacey and i find a lot as we're especially as we're out and about because we don't we don't think about it a whole lot you know but they're nine months and seven days apart uh in age so biologically it's like almost an impossible thing you know to to have uh, two kids nine months and seven days apart so mm-hmm. they are so close in age that they look and act like twins they're bonded in that way mm-hmm. uh, and and have been the whole time so you know, if this had been a situation where we wouldn't have been able to adopt them both, I mean, how terrible would that have been? But uh, and the, the fact is that we were able to, and they'll get to live their lives as almost twins um, and almost looking like they're born to us, even though they, they were not obviously birthed us. Um, good kids all around and, uh, and, and certainly uh, keep us on our toes every minute. So. Wow. Well, I've, I've met these two precious children and am updated very often with videos and pics of their sneaky shenanigans and definitely their cuteness overload. Um, they make me laugh and they fill my heart with joy, even though I don't live close enough to be with them um, often. 
um, I, sh- I get to share all of that with my husband and my kids and um, it's just a lot of fun to watch them grow and thrive in their forever home. Um, I'm so proud of both of you and um, just love watching you with them um, and how much they love you back. It's just a, it's a beautiful um, visual of family and just how you interact with them and even with the sparkles john you do really really well with the princess <laughs> stuff and um watching levi and Dottie together you're so right they their eyes are huge um they look alike and it, it will be such a unique experience to grow up as almost twins um so thank you for sharing about their little personalities yeah um, so let's ask another question. So how has your faith in Christ, which is the theme of Living Real, how's your faith in Christ motivated you and your persistence in adopting these children? And how did your faith keep you sane in the process that was sometimes very trying and very upsetting? So we know um without a doubt that our faith in Christ has been our source of strength throughout this whole process. Um, Without being able to trust in God's sovereignty and his plan for each of the children, not, not just for the children that we ended up adopting. um, I think we would have probably given up a long time ago. Mm. Um, This journey when you decide to become a foster family, you open yourself up to a world of ups and downs and a lot of gut-wrenching, heartbreaking moments. Um, A lot of people say, I don't know how you do this because we would just become too attached. And that phrase I always meet that phrase with then you're the right kind of person to do this because Mm -hmm. every child that comes into your home is worth becoming too attached. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if it were not for God's desire to be with his children and become attached to us, where would we be? And each of these kids deserves just that much from from us um we know and we trust their creator and we know that he loves them more than we ever could so i don't believe that as people of faith we have a choice but to do anything but trust him with their lives and with ours too we know that our grown-up heartbreaks are and every tear that we cry over their little lives are worth it in the end for the moments that they spend in our home that are full of peace and full of love and full of happiness and joy. And even if that's just for a season of their lives, we know that it was for a purpose. And we know that they have been given and shown the love of Christ. And um, that makes it worth it. Um, we've chosen to live open-handed, knowing fully that our faith is everything in this journey. Mm. Yes, for sure. And I have you know, witnessed a lot of your ups and downs. And if any of you have not read Lacey's article in one of our issues of Living Real Magazine, it's called Too Attached. And it is an incredible take on that phrase. And uh, you can go to livingrealmag.com and check out her article there. It's really, really a great article to read. Um, I know that John had some experience, I think, with the foster care system growing up. Um, I hope I'm correct in that. So, John, can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd actually, um, I want to take one quick second just to add to, sure. to Lacey's comments from before, too. Um, and that's just that uh, foster care uh, and ultimately this adop- these adoptions are, to the faith journey statement, mm-hmm. are also an interesting allegory to our own faith journey, right? So yes. as Christians, we're adopted into Christ's kingdom. Um, you know, we... Uh, 
were fostered by the community uh, believers, and, and ultimately we were, were brought into. We choose. That's the only kind of difference is that we choose out of free will to to take that step and be, become part of the kingdom. Um, whereas obviously these children don't don't make that free will choice. Um, but but it is an interesting allegory and it's an interesting comparison. Uh, and Lacey made that same that same defense in her her living real article you mentioned as well. So just wanted to, to kind of add that that bit of the faith journey that there is this um, interesting component where as you do this and the more you do this and, and through all the, the heartbreak and the ups and downs you kind of do see you know this maybe this is how how Jesus feels about our relationship with him too is the heartbreak and the ups and downs and the hey we did a wrong thing and, and, and we come back to the fold and that sort of thing so it's definitely interesting very well Oh, um, definitely. Before you answer my next question, that we covered some of that in part one, where we um, use the scripture, the Psalm 139, and um, I even talk about being twice adopted. So, yeah, it's the parallels are uncanny. Um, but as we know, adoption is God's idea, and He fosters that through even physical adoption to give us another picture of His love for us. So, um, so now, would you answer the question then about your experience with foster care growing up? Sure. Uh, now that I derailed, derailed the plan. You did not derail uh, anything. So, that was perfect. Uh, so, yeah. Um, my parents uh, are also foster parents and also adopted parents. Um, I am a natural child of their making. Mm -hmm. um, so, out of seven children... That they uh, that they have five were adopted and two were, were natural births. Hmm. Um, they, my mother and father, um, even in their in the early times of their relationship in their in their twenties, um, they would drive through the town they lived in and they would drive through the parts of town that had the really big houses, uh, and they would say they would dream about one day having a really big house full of kids. Hmm. Um, they found out that uh, they share a similar genetic anomaly and so they were kind of advised not to have a whole bunch of kids of their own because the chances of, uh, of handicaps were pretty high uh, my brother and I both have though different we both have handicaps that are genetically linked to my parents and so after my brother um, they took a hiatus from children uh, and, and that's probably because my brother and I were, were pretty hard to raise. Uh, they took a hiatus for about, I don't know, like 16 years. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, and they decided, uh, I think I was a sophomore or junior in high school, they decided to start fostering. Um, they came to us, they, they, they posed it as a family decision, but I don't, I don't really think it was a family decision. They sat my brother and I down, they, they kind of explained what they wanted to do and what it looked like and what that picture was. Obviously, we were pretty oblivious to what foster care was at any level. Um, that said, my brother and I, the, the you know, 14 and 15 year old in the house or whatever. Um, and they, they said, look, this is, this is something that's on our heart. Um, we we kind of want your blessing to do it. Um, I think if we wouldn't have given their blessing, they probably still would have done it. But. Um, <clears throat> And it really was not too much longer after that. Uh, we were living in this little tiny uh, rented ranch house in Charleston mm -hmm. um, and started taking in uh, three-year-olds. I think that was our, our their, their first band with the kids were all pretty young, like not babies, but not toddlers or not babies, but not, you know, not in school. Mm -hmm. So um, that became our life for the next many years. Uh, I let's see. They were foster parents for seven or eight years, I guess. So I was, you know, out of the house and in college when they finally uh, adopted their last one and stopped doing foster care. Uh, so I actually got to see a fair bit of it and was kind of prepared coming into our foster care journey for, you know, what things we might see and what we might experience. And it turns out um, the experiences were both similar and quite different. Um, hmm. At that time, when my parents were fostering, um, the system was still kind of as broken as it is today, uh, maybe in slightly different ways, but but pretty strong parallel there. Uh, what was really different is that um, 
at that time, a lot of kids were brought into care for, for physical abuse and things like that. Um, a lot of gory stories at that time. Mm-hmm. And what we see today is a pretty big shift. Um, I won't say didactic, but um, a lot of the, almost every kid we've had has been brought into care either for neglect or for drug abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are fortunate that we haven't had to deal with some of the really, really tough things that, um, that you know, seem to be a lot more prevalent back in the 90s. Uh, and, and that's, I think, in a way, it's kind of good. And, you know, as far as even societally, it's kind of good. But yeah, we, I've definitely experienced it on both sides as a teenager who had foster siblings mm-hmm. and an adult who's had foster children and, and now adopted children. But yeah. uh, so it, it has been interesting to see the differences and to, to kind of have those two chapters in my life where, you know, my life intersected with, uh, you know, with foster care and, and adoption. Yes. Well, I just think that's just a really unique story because most people that go into it that I've come in contact with, um, you know, don't have that experience in their life. And so that's something they come into completely um, unaware of what what to expect. So um, I just think that's a really unique piece of your story. Um Today, like I said, we talked about Psalm 139, 13 through 16, and I've called it our scriptural ultrasound. As you know, ultrasounds today have become increasingly amazing to be able to see the child that's being formed in the womb. Um, But God has already given us a glimpse of that um, with his scripture and showing us about him creating us right there and how he he fashions us um so i wanted to see how you think these verses speak to your hearts um and especially when you look at these little little precious ones that you've adopted so these verses are especially um sweet and special to us as we look at our little ones um when you look at both of these kids, um, they are the definition of a miracle, mm. um, especially little Dottie Mae. Um, you know, she has overcome all of the odds um, from her birth story. And it is amazing to see the hand of God on her life from before she was ever born. And we have that scripture to to prove that and to back it up and to hold on to. Um, You know, God knew their stories before they were ever born. They were already written. He knew that one mother would carry and birth them and that another mother and father would adopt them and love them and raise them forever. Um, We are beyond thankful that their birth mothers chose life because so many don't and so many birth mothers don't think that there is another way and our children receive the gift of life Mm -hmm. which is amazing in and of itself and what we personally believe is where God breathes life he breathes purpose and these little ones have a great big destiny before them and it's all because of god that is so true i just love how um you know every every life that's conceived um is god breathed and that and they are breathed um into being because God has a unique purpose for them. Um, And as I said in the earlier um, part of the podcast that, you know, there's not another one of us. No one will ever be exactly like us. And there's never going to be another Levi. There's never going to be another Dottie Mae. There's never going to be another Lacey or John or me. And, uh, you know, we have that one life God gives us. And it's just it's so precious and we do need to celebrate life as often as we can um i know with um, my own story my my parents 
always celebrated, not just life, but my adoption story. And so I wanted to see how you're going to be helping to unfold their adoption stories with them so that when they're ready to tell it, that they'll have the confidence to do so. So what's your what's your plan? Uh, <laughs> no, um, we actually this is we kind of went into foster care, like they said, with uh, hopes or expectations of being able to adopt. Um, mm-hmm. So. We kind of had decided a long time ago that we were never going to hide adoption from the kids and that it was going to be a part of their lives and who they are. Um, they know that they were adopted. They don't really understand it right now. Mm-hmm. At two and three years old, or well, three and almost four. <clears throat> they don't really understand it other than they, they kind of see it as like another birthday. You know, they had a party, and uh, according to Dottie, that she had a cake. <laughs> that was most important having cake um, and that was all that was important quite honestly she cared less about any other stuff um, so I think moving forward you know we don't we don't want to make that a mystery to them they'll um, you know as parents we have to figure out what's the age appropriate way to define their birth mm-hmm. history and adoption as we go um, but you know, I we are expecting and, and, and planning to cover that stuff with them, uh, you know, uh, from continuing to, you know, celebrate that event right. all the way through and until, you know, if they want to see pictures of their birth families or whatever, we have some of that stuff archived and um, we have some details, you know, that we can share with them if they ever really want to know it. Um, some of it is... You know, it's sad and unfortunate, but those sad and unfortunate events led them to us. And, um, you know, that I guess that's part of their story, too, and ours. Exactly. Um, so, um, I, I really, this question, Lacey and I talked about it earlier, and, and as, as much as it seems like a question that should have a really lengthy and detailed answer, it, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. No. They, they're adopted. They they're part of our family now and we plan to love them forever and to take care of them and to they they're here they're they're little Heinzes and they don't know any different today and and we hope that they feel that way forever and um you know what they want to know of their birth families and their their genealogical history is something that we'll tackle as it comes and um you know i think in this in this time in this climate you know a time will probably come where we want to do some some DNA or genealogy sort of on them just for health and and well-being reasons and, and you know they're going to have to understand that and understand why and, mm-hmm. and hopefully they can grow from it and everything works out well yeah. <laughs> I mean that's what you <laughs> right so. no I think that I think that's beautiful to always include this as part of their story because it is it's how they became to be in this family and it is how god created it and and has orchestrated it and written their story so far um i know in my own life you know if someone asks me at a doctor's appointment or something anything about my background and i just love to go you know i live by faith um i don't know anything about my you know uh history or my dna or anything like that and i just take it one day at a time and use that to um you know actually open conversation about you know who god is and um how important he is to me and so you know different families do it different ways but i know that these kids i just um i just feel like they're going to be solidified in who they are because of how you guys are loving them being honest with them and just have grafted them into your family just as god grafts us into his and we become part of his family well um i know that your prayer for levi and Dottie may is to have a second adoption day one day and to be adopted into god's family and i can't wait to hear the rest of their stories from their own lips one day so in uh, our conclusion i just want to pray for you guys is that all right Please do. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Heavenly Father, thank you for John and for Lacey and for 
their story of um, being intersected um, together, Father, uh, with your orchestration and the way that you have now designed them to be a family through the adoption process. And I thank you, Lord, that you are the center of all of their stories and that now you have um, emerged their individual stories together as one and one as husband and wife and then one as a family. I thank you for little Levi and for Donnie Mae and I just thank you, Father, for the gift of life for them and how you have brought so much joy um, into this world through their lives and especially into John and Lacey's life as you have, as I said earlier, grafted them into becoming a family. Lord, I pray for John and for Lacey as they continue to uh, learn and grow as parents, as they um, raise these little ones, as they love them um, with your love, And I just pray for wisdom for them to raise them and to train them up in the way that a child should go. And Father, I just um, thank you so much for their willingness again to be transparent with our audience and to tell their story. And I just can't wait to continue to watch the story grow and multiply and eventually hear the story from Levi and Dottie's lips as they, they share their stories one day. And Lord, we give you praise. Um, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, guys, thank you so much for sharing this amazing journey with us. You two are brave, um, have a lot of courage to travel this path um, to parenthood, and may God continue to bless your family with much grace and deep love and overflowing joy. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. It was an honor. Well, I I really do appreciate you guys, and I love you both, and um, hope to talk to you soon. So thanks again. We love you. Thank you. You're welcome, and we'll talk later. So bye. Bye. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Living Real Podcast. I hope you've been encouraged today to draw closer to Christ through His Word, to pray for a heart that's fully devoted to Him, and to engage with your circle of influence as you seek to live like Christ. I'm already looking forward to our time together next month. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram both at Living Real Mag and visit our website at www.livingrealmag.com. Until next time, we are in your corner cheering you on to live real for Jesus' sake. <music>